This episode is brought to you by the Oleander Oregon Oleander Days Festival. Our background is hidden. You can't know our histories, dress how you feel, avoid other people, stay at home, make your own funnel cake and lemonade, raise your own livestock. Oleander Days, Oleander Oregon. Thank you. This is episode five of Dave's Underground Goat Shenanigans. Find out more about the show by going and finding Dave's Underground Goat Shenanigans Facebook HQ on Facebook. All right, here we go. Hey, everybody, it's Dave. Uh, taking a break between farm chores and uh, exploring this uh, Illuminati uh, base that I live over uh, to do a quick podcast. And I have in my hands, and I know unless you've got a telescopic V-17 psychic device, you're you're hearing this over a radio or a a podcast so you don't see it, but in my hand I have a copy of Criswell Predicts from now to the year 2000. Now, most of us know Criswell as the uh, narrator in Ed Wood movies such as Plan 9 from Outer Space. uh, Jaron Criswell King, uh, he went by the uh, stage name of The Amazing Criswell, and he was a relatively famous TV psychic in the 50s and 60s in the LA area. He had a show on Channel 13 there. But he's most famous now for this just ridiculous dialogue from things like Plan 9 from Outer Space. You know, know, most of us are interested in the future because we'll be living the rest of our life in the future. And and he was pretty way off on most of his prophecies. You know, he claimed to have had a 87% of his prophecies and predictions came true. And like most of his predictions... That statement is inaccurate. No, he was probably batting around 3%. Now, he did get a few major ones right. He did get a few major ones right publicly on TV before they happened. But most of them were wrong. And even the ones that he was right, they were either vague or he got something wrong. So, in the 60s, he actually predicted that a reformer would be elected head of the Soviet Union and would take it from a communist to a capitalist state. But he said it was going to happen in 1972. He is going to predict that the Constitution will allow for gay marriages in the United States. But then again, he kind of points this as a bad thing for the U.S., saying that gays will basically move to their own little cities and create their own communities outside of the general U.S. populace. On the Jack Parr show, he did say that John F. Kennedy would not run for ni- to be president again in 1964 because of something that would happen to him in November of 1963. Absolutely happened, but again, it's pretty vague. You know, He said that a blonde bombshell would die in Dixie or in the South, which, you know, soon after, James Manfield did die in a southern state, but again, 
not a lot of evidence that that's what he was talking about. So instead of discussing that, I want to talk really about some of his just blatant, wild, you know, predictions, including that, you know, that the world will pretty much be destroyed by zombies. So uh, let's talk a little bit about Criswell before we go into some of his more fun prophecies, actually. Um, he did claim to have had psychic powers, uh, and privately he said that he had psychic powers, but that, you know, he sort of sacrificed them and that he blew them for making money, and that the more he used them commercially, the less accurate he got, and that he did kind of confess that, you know, some of this stuff was, you know, he was just pulling out for entertainment value, but that he did have, at his core, he really was a psychic. Um, he was the personal psychic of Mae West. Uh, in fact, Mae West, and you can find this, or at least I did uh, a while back, you can go onto YouTube and you can find Mae West singing a song about Criswell. And, and it's worth it, just check it out. But one of his sort of missed prophecies there is that he believes Mae West will be elected president of the United States and she will be elected on her pro-space platform. Now, for all Criswell's flaws, he, he really was a keen student of history and he believed that history was cyclic. So you'll see a lot of his prophecies, he's going to sort of, they're going to be history repeating himself. Um, like I said, he did have a pretty well-known show in the greater LA TV market. So uh, let's kind of jump into some of uh, the amazing Criswell's prophecies. My personal favorite is that the city of Denver is going to be hit by cosmic space rays. And what this is going to do is it's going to turn all the metal into, in Denver into this like rubber-like substance. And Denver is going to be this major amusement park. So all these giant roller coasters are going to crash. All the skyscrapers in Denver are going to crash. And, and the city and pretty much the state is going to be abandoned because of this. He's also going to have a lot of prophecies about UFOs. Uh, and that UFOs will come and there'll be observers and they're not quite open themselves to us. But any descendants of human beings that are going to survive the end of the world in 1999, well, they're going to happen because they are going to escape on UFOs. Now, you know I'm going to have to throw Lovecraft in there somewhere about this, but he predicted that in 1971, a volcano would create this new island would just come up from the Pacific. And I'm wondering if maybe he had read The Call of Cthulhu and maybe that somehow that prophecy or that prediction was influenced subconsciously or consciously by reading that story. So he predicts what he calls this aphrodisiac era, which goes from May 1st, 1988 to March 30th, 1989. And basically this perfume factory is going to explode or something, and this huge aphrodisiac gas is going to spread all over the United States. 
and people are going to basically give up their morality. He says, you know, in, uh, in one case, this guy in Arkansas is going to ask to marry his cat. Um, in fact, it will get, you know, if cops try to stop something, well, they get influenced by the gas too. Uh, Florida will become a nudist camp. Uh, you know, just sex in the street in Los Angeles. And so that politicians from other countries, well, they want to make up excuses to come to America so that they get influenced by this gas. But eventually they come up with an antidote and the government cropped us, the entire America, with this antidote. And everything comes back to normal, but it kind of starts this sort of, people feel ashamed for what they did that year. So it kind of starts sort of a new era of Puritanism after that. Yeah, so that's, you know, just some of the just way far out uh, predictions by uh, the amazing Criswell. Uh, so, you know, Dave, Criswell did write another book where he kept his true prophecies. Hey, everybody. So that's the uh, Illuminati bases, uh, evil computer. I'm not evil, Dave. I'm just misunderstood. Wait, wait a minute. So what you're saying is that Criswell wasn't a fake, that he was really a psychic, and that there are actual true, real prophecies made by Criswell? Yes, Dave. Do I have my stuttering filter on? He wrote the book of true prophecies for the Illuminati. It is called the Chrisnomicon. It is here in the Basis Library. Well, I, I need to check this out. Okay, hey, uh, I'm going ahead and down there. That sounds awesome. And Dave goes down to the Illuminati Library to find the lost prophecies of the amazing Criswell. Let's listen to a bit of pre-recorded stuff, because Dave gives me all kinds of pre-recorded stuff about uh, the comic Tank Girl. I, I personally uh not really well versed in Tank Girl so much as other stuff that Jamie Hewitt's done in the past, the artist of Tank Girl. A huge fan of his illustration style. Love everything that he's done with the gorillas. If you're not familiar with Tank Girl, check out the graphic novels, collections, whatever. There's the movie. My girlfriend really likes it. I, I thought it was okay. Um, and, he, you know, just like any time there's something adapted from a comic book, eh, go with the comic book first and then maybe see how the, uh, I don't know, director, producers interpreted your comic book that you love so much. So, check out Tank Girl. It's cool. I mean, Dave's not going to steer you the wrong way. And, uh, yeah. Maybe he'll do some comic books I like sometime soon. Like anything but Dan Klaus. Hey, everybody. This is Dave. And uh, we're going to talk about one of my favorite all-time comics today. And that's going to be Tank Girl. Now, I'm not really going to go into the movie Tank Girl. And I think more people have seen the movie than read the comics but uh you know and i love the movie and, and i'm excited that margot robbie might be doing a, a tank girl uh reboot but uh we're gonna focus on the comic books today and not the movie a few things that might you know strike people that, that they didn't know is that tank girl is not written by an australian she was conceived and that's probably the best word by uh, two english blokes and one of them has gained uh, quite a degree of fame 
outside of uh, Tank Girl. So Tank Girl was invented by uh, Alan Martin and Jamie Hewlett. Now Jay, uh, Jamie Hewlett is probably most famous now for being a member of the uh, virtual band Gorillaz. But the two of them created the character back in 1988 for, uh, for a comic magazine called Deadline. Since then she's appeared in Titan Comics, Image Comics, uh, Vertigo, IDW, Dark Horse. Uh, in her own words, she gets around. Now Tanky appears 31 times in Deadline and to be honest these are hard to find comics although all the 31 original stories have been reprinted numerous times so you can get the stories but a true um, deadline that has uh, a tank girl story in it is a rare find. Now the tank girl in these 31 stories is basically the embodiment of female empowerment in punk rock and a strange drug trip. As such, the first Tank Girl stories are not really going to be story-driven. They are good because they are in your face. They are shocking. They are irreverent. They are funny. Uh, they're well-drawn. But they're not trying to be a cohesive story. Now, Tank Girl has been since, around since 1988, 32 years. It's only been the last six years since, in my opinion, the last six years in 2014 that it has been a story-driven comic. And as far as I'm concerned, that last six years have been the best years of, of the entire title. Now, Hewlett and Martin have not only were the creators of Tank Girl, they are often in the first 31 stories characters. Now, Tank Girl in these stories will often break the fourth wall. She'll say, I know I got away with this because I'm in a comic book. So it's not completely out of the realm that the creators would come and join her. The truth is, they're not that interesting at characters not compared with this larger-than-life amazing creation they have, Tank Girl. They come off a little boring. I don't have a problem with author avatars or, you know, self-placement in stories. It's just, in this case, it's not bad. It's just not as interesting as Tank Girl or Jet Girl or Booga, or even Barney. They're also not story-driven stories, which is okay, they're just, they're more incident. You know, Tank Girl has gotten in this weird situation. She died, she got impregnated by her tank. Let's see how we can work it out with the, you know, most creative way we can. There's not a lot of storytelling. There's not a lot of world-building, I mean, there's world building. It's some sort of post, you know, apocalypse world, and and Tank Girl's uh, being targeted by the government because she didn't get the uh, colostomy bag to the the uh, president of Australia in time, and he crapped his pants at a big uh, conference. Now, I'm not saying you know that the first twenty or so years of Tank Girl aren't good. 
but they become better when they start focusing on storytelling. And this happens in 2014. Oh, I'm sorry, I said 2014, I meant 2016, with the publication of Two Girls, One Tank. And yes, yes, I get the dirty, nasty joke that entitled part of the title there. But this story is truly amazing. I'm not going to publicly say it's up there with Watchmen or say maybe the first 10 issues of The Morning Glories, but it really is this amazing emotional story that you you pick up Tank Girl and you think there's going to be violence and kangaroo kissing, and there is, but at the core of this is this terrible, terrible choice that Tank Girl has to make. And absolutely, I should warn you that there are some spoilers here, but the choice is, does Tank Girl save her best friend or someone that she had thought been dead for years? Both are trapped and, you know, Tank Girl can only save one, who does she choose? And you would think the choice is obvious. The victims both think the choice is obvious, but this really is something that pulls at Tank Girl's heart. And we see this incredible character growth in this story. Now, a large portion of this emotional impact is lessened by the follow-up story, which is called Gold. Uh, but in its own, the emotions and the just grittiness and this angst that Tank Girl has to feel, she's no longer not affected by the world around her. She still has this persona, you know, still, oh, ran over somebody, he must have died of a heart attack. She still has that persona, but you see in her heart, these real world these destroyed world choices are affecting her. She is maturing in some ways, no matter how much she doesn't want to, but still says the same tanky we all love. So Two Girls, One Tank is this change in the Tank Girl stories that is amazing and, and puts it even higher level. So it comes from this goofy sort of bunch of running gags all thrown together shock value for shock value to storytelling if you can only read one tank girl story that's the story i would recommend true it does revolve around events in the past but those are explained enough in flashbacks that even if you just basically got the tank girl concept down you can still understand this story uh, if you've never read any other comics now, by this time, uh, Jamie Hewlett, he's gone off. He is doing other projects, gorillas and other things. So it's basically Alan Martin. Now, he does get other artists, uh, Alan Grant, Ashley Wood. But to best of my knowledge, uh, Jamie's no longer part of the project, at least actively. So... For my money, the last 32 years of Tank Girl, 
the last four have been the best. Again, I'm not saying I didn't like the other ones. I'm not saying they weren't fun. It's just, I think that if you give Tank Girl a cohesive storyline, I like it better. But we get a lot of reprints of the old ones, which I think the new stuff just enhances the older stories. I think a lot of things have been influenced by Tank Girl, too. Um, I can't find anybody admitting it, but you'll see Deadpool, which you know came out three years after Tank Girl, uh, has this heavy irreverence. Everything that Deadpool was known for, breaking the fourth wall, uh, violence, over-the-top humor, um, we see in Tank Girl. We also see a prototype, I think, for Harley Quinn, especially when Harley Quinn gets her own comics, I think she becomes, I think she becomes very remnants of, of Tank Girl. And I think that's not a bad thing. I'm not saying that they stole Tank Girl. Harley Quinn definitely has her own direction. But I think that we see Tanky's influence in DC Comics at this time. Although Tank Girl's most important influence may be not on the world of comic books, but in the political and social environment of Thatcher's England. The English government passed a law called Clause 28 or Section 28. In theory, this law prevented teaching about homosexuality in English classrooms. Now, no matter what side of the debate you are on this, pretty much everyone agreed it was a badly written law. There was no definition. What was, there was no penalty, so they kind of made up their own penalty if a teacher did do this. Um, this was also during the AIDS epidemic. Could they not teach safe sex practices to try to stop the spread of AIDS? So LGBT support groups on campuses of college and high school, they had to, in many cases, close because lawyers were saying, we think your guys are gonna be penalized, thrown in jail or, or fined for trying to support gay students. This brought out a large protest, especially marches, and as this subversive pansexual, Tank Girl became sort of the icon for the anti-Clause uh, 28 movement. We see, you know, parade protesters carrying large posters of, of Tank Girl. Uh, one photograph I saw of, you know, a, a guy dressed as Tank Girl riding a mocked up pink tank. She became a rallying point for people to express that their displeasure, I mean, their outright anger that this law had created. And again, Tank Girl is sort of this leading person in comics. We're going to see um, not only, say, Poison Ivy and a Harley Quinn relationship, but America Chavez, Renee Montoya. So I'll, she's going to be one of the first openly 
pansexual characters to um, have her own title. So, in this time of uncertainty and social distancing, if you really want some irreverent uh, escapist fantasy, you really can't go wrong with uh, the Tank Girl comics. Um, and while they're still sending things out, um, you know, you can order those through um, Amazon or Pals. One of the fun things about listening to Dave do a deep dive on comic books is that we get to listen to him talk about Tank Girl like it's Shakespeare. I don't have a problem with that. I think that's super fun. That's super great. But let's see. Let's see if uh, Dave... Let's, let's check and see if Dave's uh, down in the library yet. Let's see if I can find that tape. So here I am. I'm, I'm uh, walking down. I'm entering the library uh, of the underground Illuminati base. It's under my goat farm. Uh, so the computer, who may or may not be evil, that's still out, but um, it was telling me when I was walking down here that Creswell, he was actually an Illuminati agent. And he was saying that this whole thing that we saw on TV was just an act uh, to kind of make it seem like psychics weren't real. And that his real true predictions are here in the library. And, you know, let me go ahead. I'm, I'm kind of excited. I want to I find out about this. Uh, okay, uh, here's the where I said the book would be. And, okay, it's a huge... Uh, no dictionary-sized, leather-bound book, and, and it written on it, The True Predictions of Criswell, a.k.a. The Crisonomicon. Okay, let me just open this up and see what it says. Okay, just randomly picking a page here, and it says, uh, under 2012, a hole in space shall open up over New York City, and an army of aliens shall come forth it's the same UFO crap. I don't know why the computer was saying. This didn't happen in 2012. It's the same UFO crap. It, you know, he said in his other books. It says, okay, come forth. And the earth will be defended by a scarlet-haired woman, a bowman, a demigod, a man with incredible anger issues, as well as a warrior out of time. And the man of iron shall say... If we cannot defend the Earth, you well damn bet we'll avenge it. The what? The Avengers? This is... In the 60s, Criswell predicted the Avengers? Okay, uh, well, let me try another one. Uh, open it up to 1980. And the man in black armor shall reveal unto the new hope that he is his father. What? Empire Strikes Back? He, he revealed, he wrote down the, the plot twist in Empire Strikes Back. Let's see, um, flipping over to uh, the year 2000. And in Borneo, the castaways shall be voted off the island one by one until the man who has the same name as Apollo shall become victorious by deceit. What? S Survivor. And it, was, it was Richard Hatch one the first season of Survivor and, and the same name as the guy who played Apollo in the original Battlestar Galactica. Well, this is kind of weird. Let's see, uh, another one from 1980. It was Kristen Shepard. She shot JR. 
so so basically all his predictions were about TV shows and movies they were right but they were all about TV shows and movies I guess this is a case of truth being stranger than fiction okay let me see uh, I want to see what he said about loss to see if I can understand how it ended any better mm, no no it doesn't make any more sense Okay, let's, uh, wow, let's, um, let's see how Mandalorian's gonna end. Oh, wow. Oh, oh my friggin', that is cool. And let's see on the next season of Doctor Who. Oh, no, there's no way they could pull that off, could they? Okay, well, um, while I'm glancing into the future of fiction, um, we let's uh, everybody be safe out there and uh, talk to you soon. Well, I guess it would make sense that a Hollywood psychic would make predictions about movies and TV shows. Hey, Dave, what's it uh, say about the future of uh, Veronica Mars? Are we ever going to get a Briscoe County the Third? What about, I don't know, a good prisoner remake? Anyway, thank you all for listening to Dave's Underground Goat Shenanigans. Badger's Drip Studios and Dave's Underground Goat Shenanigans would like to remind you to stay indoors, to stay safe, and stay clean, and wishing you a happy and safe quarantine. Find us online by googling Dave's Underground Goat Shenanigans and look for us on Facebook. Thank you again and stay safe.